Log Talk Radio. <laughs> Welcome to Wednesday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona, and, and the, the world, world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweed's Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products, accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweed's Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. All right, welcome to Wednesday, Wednesday, everybody. Woo! Took a nice big bong, hit a banana blaze, I think it is. <laughs> That's a good one. How's everybody doing out there today? And I know this burning question is on your mind right now. <laughs> All right, just how many days? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Lord, Silver Sister, you have 208 days to get it together. All right. Well, Thanksgiving's in 176 days, so we can get super stuffed, gain 15 pounds, and cry about it. (laughs) What do you need to do during the holidays? We can do any day for not paying attention to what's happening. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to Weed Day Wednesday. All right. How is everybody doing today? May 31st. I can't believe it. We, we made it to June. Oh, my God. We made it to June almost. That's crazy. We're halfway through the year already. Oh, that is just nuts to me. Um, But what's going on? There's a lot going on in the world of cannabis and the world of weed. But first, let's give a shout out to Tumbleweed Health Center, 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come on down and see us. Come get certified. Come save that 25% on the sales tax. Y'all don't want to be paying. I know that for sure. Boo. Boo on that sales tax for recreational. Um. At, you know, and you also get legal protection. That's one of the things I like the most because, um, you know, not everybody still on board with cannabis. Um, I know it. I know it. Uh, so I like the legal protection. Even though I'm my own boss, it doesn't really matter. There, you know, there's a whole society out there that is just disapproving still. <laughs> but thankfully, that's narrowing. That gap's narrowing. Morning, Silver Sister and Grand Island. 
Yeah. What's the weather over there? What do we got today? I think we're going to be like um, hot. <laughs> so today, no, not the new system in the Gulf. Uh, why don't we just search our little oh, Reese in Tucson, Tucson, Arizona. It's 74 degrees right now. Um, all right. We only have a high of 91 today. Yay. Golf clap for that because that's a good golf game right there. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So tumbleweeds, back to tumbleweeds. Hot. Ooh, let's see what you got there. What is Silver Sister showing? 88. That is a heat wave. Keep tuna inside and, well, don't go in your swamp. <laughs> Close that pool. Close that pool. I say, can you grow? Because I say you turn that into a greenhouse. Woohoo! Yeah, because we've got some news about um, uh, farmers markets that are opening up in New York soon. But first, let's get back to Tumbleweed Health Center. Come on down and get certified. If you want to know what you can get certified for, just get on over to tumbleweedhealthcenter.com. And you can click on the certification section. You can book your appointment right there where it says book appointment, book appointment. It'll take you to a calendar, and you can pick any day and time out that we're open. Right now we're open Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Those seem to be our busy days. Uh, so that's when we're open. All right. So what conditions qualify you? That would be PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain. covers pretty much every pain you have from migraines, headaches, fibromyalgia, DDD, RA, all the arthritis, um, leg cramps. I mean, there's all sorts of pains out there. Chronic to the state means it's um, over 60 days old. They don't want you to just be like, oh, oh, I crashed my bike. <laughs> I hurt my knee. I need some weed. <laughs> well, we understand that that might be the case. Bike was out there that crashed your knee. Um, they want it to be a little more severe than that. Severe nausea, seizures, including epilepsy. Um, I wonder why they say it that way. HIV, hep C, ALS, Crohn's disease, agitation of Alzheimer's, which includes dementia and the other 28 different types of Alzheimer's, I believe. Probably more now. Cachexia, wasting syndrome, severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, tremors. Um, leg spasms, all that kind of stuff. Um, so you're eligible for a medical cannabis card if you suffer from a chronic or debilitating disease or a medical condition or just the treatment. That's right. Just the treatment for a chronic or debilitating disease or medical condition that causes any of the above conditions and more. So if you did not hear your condition on here, but it's causing something like nausea or migraines or um PTSD, even whatever it's called, seizures, um, you can get your card for that. And it's a very simple process. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification, health, and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. You can email thctucson at gmail.com. 
And there's our other shop that we love called The Good Leaf, and that is at 6224. There, uh, if you want some wonderful new hemp and CBD products and some accessories, uh, all sorts of bongs. There's some really cool bongs. Is the cactus bong still there? Do we have a cactus bong? We had a cactus bong, you know, for the Southwest. How we roll. How we roll. Um, all right. So let's see what's going on. New York, New York. All right. Let's see. New York regulators will launch <clears throat> a cannabis farmer's market within a month. Unfortunately, you won't be able to light up on New York, oh, on site at New York markets. But let's see what's happening with these markets. Regulations and red tape make it hard to sell cannabis in New York. Currently, just over a dozen licensed retailers are actively operating in New York. By introducing a marijuana farmer's market, more retailers could sell their products as regulators continue to work to license and set up more legal brick-and-mortar storefronts. Officials say the cannabis farmer's market could start within a month. Could start. (laughs) The announcement comes after a town hall event last Thursday for cultivators organized by the Cannabis Association of New York, CANY, C-A-N-Y. In conjunction with the State Office of Management, OCM, during the meeting, attendees discussed how a farmer's market could both offer businesses a sale model while giving consumers a safe place to shop. Over the last year, lots of cannabis was grown. But much of it needs a place to be sold. The farmer's market aims to solve such problems. OCM Chief Equity Officer Damian Fagan said at the event that regulators hope to get the farmer's market ready to open optimistically within a month, New York Cannabis Insider reported. According to OCM Director of Policy John Kajia, the rules for what will be called, quote, New York Cannabis Growers Showcase, quote, program have been haven't been released yet. However, uh, he says that there are, quote, several issues that we're still working through internally, but we have the authorization here to discuss it. The farmer's market, aka New York Cannabis, Gro- <laughs> Cannabis Growers Showcase, plans to have a minimum of three growers and at least one licensed retailer hosting farmer's market-style events in authorized municipalities. On-site consumption will not be allowed, at least at first, as that would mean additional permits obtained from the State Department of Public Health, so customers will have to enjoy back home. Alcohol is also not allowed. So, while the farmer's markets offer help for sellers, New York is a long way from providing fun communal spaces for folks to enjoy cannabis as one might enjoy beer with friends at a bar. Do they have a lot of beer at farmer's markets in the morning? <laughs> That'd be more like a Bloody Mary Mimosa kind of event, you know what I'm saying? But sure, who doesn't want a beer, right? Um, however, farmers can try to obtain a municipal approval to hold the farmer's markets on their own property, which could provide communal gatherings. Additionally, they could try to sell at events like concerts and festivals, which sounds like a fun step in the right direction. Well, we think this is a really important because it does two things. One, it allows the growers to get in front of the consumers who are going to be li- who are going to be buying legal uh, regulated products in New York and allows you to tell your story. Two, it allows you to sell product more quickly 
across the state. So the idea would be that fine to the regions where they're authorized to operate, but the growers would be able to do this anywhere in the state. Ooh. Mm-hmm. The idea for the Fair Marijuana Farmers Market pilot program comes after New York City Governor uh, Kathy Hochul, I always mess her name up, administration stepped up its efforts to transition folks to the legal market, which under current restraints is difficult for both sellers and consumers. For many, buying on the black market, even if it's illegal, offers better, more affordable products, demonstrating that if New York wants a thriving legal market, they have a lot of work ahead of them. Also, just because those guys to grow. As part of efforts to persuade people to buy legally, a public education campaign was launched last month, pushing people to buy from licensed shops, relying on scare tactics of the dangers of buying illegally, and reminding folks that legal weed ideally means equity programs. In March, officials announced that they are doubling the number of conditional adult-use marijuana licenses that can be approved from 100 to 300. Uh, the governor also introduced legislation to crack down on vendors selling on the black market. Kathy visited one of the few currently operating retail in February. Governor, buy something. Regulated farmers markets, so the growers can sell there, huh? All right, Silver Sister, get on it. Get autos rolling. Come on. Do it. So, yeah, interesting. So this this uh, came up a few days ago. I'm not sure why, but um, the top best pizza restaurants in Arizona. Yeah. Everybody loves pizza. However, some people swear by a classic New York slice, while others a Chicago-style deep dish. Fortunately, Arizona... Marijuana consumers have plenty of amazing joints to choose from throughout the state. <laughs> Below is azmarijuana.com's list of the best restaurants, best pizza restaurants in Arizona. Number one would be Pizzeria Bianco in Phoenix, Arizona. Number two is Lou Melnati's in Phoenix. Ooh, Tucson's Rocco's Little Chicago, which is just right down the street from me. That is exceptional. Uh, they've got great wings, too. Uh, Spinato's Pizza in Phoenix. Pizza Cleta in Flagstaff. Way to go, Flagstaff. Pomo Pizzeria in Scottsdale. 1702 in Tucson, Arizona. We got another one. Yeah. All right, there you go. You're a little slow, guys. <laughs> Pizza Lisa in Sedona. Barros Pizza in Phoenix and Rosati's Pizza in Phoenix. Right on. Way to go, pizza lovers. Because who doesn't enjoy... Oh, that's from azmarijuana.com. All right. Let's see what else is going on in the world. Um, Minnesota governor signs cannabis bill into law. All right. Okay. Governor Tim Waltz officially makes Minnesota the 23rd state to legalize adult use cannabis. May 30. 
editor's note. The story was updated on Tuesday, May 30, to reflect Governor Minnesota Governor Tim Walz signing the adult use cannabis uh, bill into law. Minnesota has become the 23rd state to legalize cannabis use after Governor Tim Walz signed the state's legalization bill into law. Quote, Minnesota just became the 23rd state in the nation to legalize adult use cannabis. Walz tweeted <laughs> upon signing the <laughs> legislation on Tuesday. Oh, wow. Still not used to this. <laughs> this reality comes after the Senate voted 34 to 32 to pass the final version of an adult use bill May 20, just two days before the end of the legislative session, with Walt, a Democrat, bowing to sign it into law. The vote on the bill came shortly after 1 a.m., roughly two hours after debate began on the measure, which followed a lineup of human services and state appropriations bills. The Senate's passage on cannabis also came less than 48 hours after the House passed the final version of the bill with uh, Rep. Zach Stevenson leading the charge as sponsor in his chamber. The final language in the 320-page bill aims to allow adults 21 and older to purchase the two ounces of cannabis from licensed retailers, possess up to two pounds in their private residences, and grow up to eight plants for mature um, at home. And this all starts August 23rd. Do it! So, Minnesota. The bill would also establish a regulatory agency to oversee the new cannabis marketplace as well as create regulations, licensing, and, of course, taxations for the state's existing hemp market. Saturday's early morning vote fell entirely along party lines in the Senate a chamber that was previously controlled by Republicans for the past six years. Notably, a similar adult use bill had passed by Minnesota House May of 2021, but the former GOP-controlled Senate blocked companion legislation from a floor vote throughout 2021 and 2022. With a one-seat majority in the upper chamber this year, one Republican abstained from Saturday's vote Democrats pushed the bill across the finish line after 13 committee hearings, a floor vote on a pre-reconciled version last month, a three-day bicameral conference committee included now the final vote on the reconciled version. Lower chamber also included an all-encompassing vetting process of 16 committee hearings prior to the floor action. Whew. Democratic Senator Lindsey Port, who was sponsor, who sponsored the legislation in the upper chamber, addressed her colleagues one final time before the floor vote May 20. Quote, I've heard a few things tonight that we've heard throughout the year and I think are and I think are rational feelings, she said. It is rational to be afraid of this. Change is new and change is hard. And people are talking about fear for their kids, which as a mom is something I understand deeply. And the best way that we can protect our kids from access to cannabis is by legalizing and regulating. This is an adult-use cannabis bill, which will be sold in 21-plus locations. The system that we have right now is not working. Woo! You go. While Minnesota is lined up to be the 23rd state to allow adults 21 and older to purchase and possess cannabis, it will be just the ninth state to do so by way of legislature. The other 14 had elections. 
All but one of these nine legislatures had Democratic trifectas in the respective House, Senate, and Governor's Office. Vermont Republican Governor Phil Scott signed an adult use bill into law in 2018 as the lone outlier. (laughs) Despite Saturday's party line vote in the Minnesota Senate, the bill included more than a dozen Republican amendments and five Republican supporters in the House. In addition, one House Republican and one Senate Republican were included in the 10-member conference committee that negotiated differences between companion bills. Among the key variances reconciled in conference committee were purchases and possession limits, a 10% excise tax rate, economic development, employment regulations, licensing, criminal penalties, expungement, and appropriations of tax revenue. Well, that's all, that all seems like something you'd, you'd probably want to discuss before legalizing anything. Who's going to get the money and how are we going to punish people when they have more weed? I mean, that's basically it. Quote, since we last saw this bill, most of it remains intact and many of the features that we added here in the Senate were adopted in the conference committee report, report said, specifically the local control and zoning regulations that we put in here on the Senate side stayed in the bill, as did the portion of the tax that goes to local municipalities. Let's see. Um, are we going to get to grow? Did they send them a grant? Of the bill and adopting during negotiations and conference committee included adjustments for local control, a contentious point in previous debates with many Republicans wanting to grant municipalities the option to ban cannabis businesses from operating within your their jurisdictions, which, you know, we've seen that all over the country. Um, In particular, uh, the bicameral conferees agreed to allow cities to adopt an ordinance limiting the number of cannabis dispensaries in their community, but they cannot limit limit that number by any more than one retail facility for every 12,500 people. Wow, that's that's kind of cool. There you go. <laughs> there you go. In addition, local governments would be allowed to reasonably regulate the time, place, and manner for which cannabis businesses could operate in their jurisdiction under uh, Minnesota's legislation. But cities and counties would not be allowed to ban cannabis businesses altogether, something that has allowed the illicit market in California where hundreds of thousands of people are more than an hour away from a licensed dispensary. Ooh, that's no good. Um, what's in the final bill? Well, in addition to a two-ounce purchase limit for cannabis flower, the legislation would allow Minnesotans 21 and older uh, to buy up to 8 grams of concentrate or 800 milligrams of THC in edible products per visit at a licensed dispensary according to final bill's language. The legislation aims to establish an Office of Cannabis Management, OCM, by July 1, 2023, for regulatory oversight of a forthcoming adult use program as well as the state's existing medical cannabis and hemp programs. But the process uh, of developing good consumer health and safety protections for a licensed infrastructure could take 12 to 18 months before adult open it. Oh, come on. Talk to your neighbors and find out what they've been doing. 
<laughs> Sorry, couldn't help myself. Like, you know, maybe you should be willing to be like, just look, open the doors, put a nice display case out there, lock it up, sell some weed. <laughs> Sorry, folks, I had to pull myself a little, a little more coffee here. Cause... <laughs> a lot of reading. All right. But seriously, go Minnesota, let's do this. All right. <clears throat> In addition, the bill's enactment would establish a cannabis advisory council. I want to be on one of those. This to require specific studies and reports on the impacts of legalization and set up a statewide monitoring system. Um, MTRC is the current track and trace provider for the state's medical program. Under the bill, a 10% cannabis excise tax would apply at retail in addition to the state's 6.875% sales tax. This excise rate aligns with the Senate's position going into bicameral negotiations. The House's version offered an 8% tax rate. Hmm. 20% of the tax revenue from the excise tax will go towards local governments to help oversee a legalized marketplace, while the other 80% would be appropriated toward uh, state costs from funding the OCM to youth education and expungement board and employment and economic development, among other agencies and programs. As part of the aim to undo harms caused by prohibition, the legislation provides for automatic expungement of certain cannabis offenses. The Bureau of Criminal Apprehension would be tasked with identifying eligible individuals whose records qualify for an order of expungement. That process will begin also August 1st, 2023. Right on. The legislation also proposes 16 licensing categories for adult use, medical and hemp operators, and includes provisions for a social equity program to help ensure individuals and companies most harmed by programs opportunity to engage in the industry. A special scoring structure for licensing would be in place for applicants who meet social equity or veteran retired National Guard criteria. The OCM would be responsible for licensing the number of cannabis businesses necessary, quote, in order to ensure sufficient supply of cannabis flower and cannabis products to meet demand, provide market stability, ensure competitive market, and limit the sale of unregulated uh, cannabis flower and cannabis products, quote according to the bill. In addition to taxes, the state would collect revenue through application and licensing fees for cannabis cultivators. Those would include $10,000 for applications, $20,000 for an initial license, and $30,000 to renew a license. Similarly, those fees would be $2,500, $2,500, and $5,000 for retailers, $10,000, $10,000, $20,000 for manufacturers, 5,000, 5,000, and 10,000 for wholesalers, and 500, zero, and 2,000 for micro businesses. Ooh, yeah. Get into a micro business there. Another license called Cannabis Mezzo Business would allow medium sized businesses to become vertically integrated with fees of 5,000, 5,000, and $10,000 for the renewal fees. That's very interesting. 
A cannabis cultivator would be allowed to grow up to 30,000 square feet of plant canopy canopy indoors with the OCM having the authority to increase that limit to meet market demand, whereas the mezzo business uh, licensees would be allowed to grow up to 15,000 square feet and micro businesses could cultivate up to 5,000 square feet from the program onset. And that is awesome. The legislation also aims to establish plant propagation standards, including certification, testing, and labeling requirements for methods used to grow new cannabis plants, requirements for agricultural best practices, and environmental standards are also outlined in the legislation. Following her comments about Minnesota's current system of prohibition not working, Portman said, quote, if we had a way to solve this with law enforcement, we would have done it. So it's time to try something. All right. And you know what else is something new? Well, it's not really, but we love it. I'll be blazing and smoking it, about to go and get some munchy snacks Passing up on those cracker jacks, Reese's pizzas are where it's at Gotta get me some soda pop, cotton mouth has been creeping up I can't remember where I put my keys, yeah, that's what's up I'ma take your grandpa's ride, I'ma take your grandpa's ride No, for real, ask your grandpa, can I take a 65? Deville cruising to my local Publix Nothing better than rolling with two super fly chicks They have frozen burritos, I bought frozen burritos I bought some Ben and Jerry's, and then I bought some Cheetos Hello, hello, my main man Obama A couple states have just reformed their laws on marijuana What you gonna do, send the feds there? Hell no, the DEA's would be like, ah, oh, they got volcano I'm gonna smoke some weed, only got $20 in my pocket I'm a hunt, looking for a pot shop, this is fucking know about the science of marijuana what you know about people suffering from glaucoma they need it they need it it helps them with their condition if you don't believe me then just ask some eye physicians thank your granddad for voting for that guy richard nixon is the president who made the plant illegal but science is now showing that it's medicine for people and the private sector's fighting to keep all of that illegal alcohol and tobacco pharmaceutical prisons i'll take those four major lobby groups and fight those motherfuckers they're making money day and night all those motherfuckers and bribing congress out of sight all those motherfuckers They'd be like, oh, it's immoral and unhealthy I'm like, how many people are you making wealth? Anti-marijuana lobbies are making all kinds of profits And they don't want you to stop it because of all the special interest I call that getting swindled and pimped shit I call that getting tricked by the government That law's hella old 
so it's time to update it, regulate it, and then get it under state control. Peak game, look into my political telescope. Think it's gonna stay like this forever? Not hella won't. Not hella won't. Hey Obama, stop being a hypocrite. You used to smoke weed, Anywho, 
My apologies. Um, let's see here. I was reading to you um, the benefits of being in the medical marijuana program. And we were talking about um, anyone um, anyone can get a DUI if marijuana is found in their system, including marijuana patients. And that's if you are doing some, something, you know, like driving stupid, you know, driving dangerously, recklessly. Um, an employer might not be able to penalize a medical marijuana patient for a positive drug test for marijuana unless the patient used, possessed, or was impaired. See, they have to be impaired by marijuana on the employment presence, uh, premises or during hours of employment uh, because the federal government still considers marijuana an illegal substance. Uh, here's a brief comparison of medical and recreational programs. Um, and that's on the educational side, uh, educational section there. Uh, one of the best things is though your sales tax is only 8.7% uh, I think in the medical and it's 25% in the rec. Uh, so yeah, no good. All right. Well, I hope you guys can hear me out there. I'm just going to continue on as if you can. And we're going to read about a former Pittsburgh Steeler uh, who said he was high during the football game. Uh, former Pittsburgh Steeler is it Levon Bell said in a recent uh, recent podcast that. He'd score touchdowns and win games even if he had smoked pot beforehand. Bell, who is now a free agent, had short runs with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Baltimore Ravens, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers after leaving the Pittsburgh Steelers, the place he truly calls home in his professional football career. Uh, CBS News reports that Bell, uh, Bell spilled the details in a recent podcast about how he often smoked even before the game. During Bill's runs with the Steelers from 2013 to 2017, he chalked up 5,336 rushing yards, 2,660 receiving yards, and averaged 5.2 yards per touchdown. Bill also earned two all-pro selections and had 3,000-yard rushing seasons. In 2015 and 2016, he was voted as one of the NFL Top 100. He apparently rushed many of those touchdowns stoned. <laughs> On episode 30 of Steel Here podcast, Bill uh, Bell explained how he smoked pot before some of his best performances for the Steelers. Quote, looking back, that's what I did, Bell said. When I was playing football, I smoked even before the games. I'd smoke and I'd go out there and run for 150, uh, two touchdowns. In 2019, Bell signed a four-year, $52.5 million deal with the New York Jets, which didn't last too long. But uh, Bell hasn't played professional football since the 2021 season, but has no plans to retire from the league anytime soon. A contract dispute led to his departure with the Steelers, but he hopes to eventually retire with them. Well, it literally was the guarantee. They weren't budging off of it, and I wasn't budging off of it. I didn't want to leave Pittsburgh, Bell said. At the end of the day, that's where I was at. That's where I got drafted, especially after going to different teams and seeing how it is. When a team has their guy, you're their guy. I was Pittsburgh's guy. In 2021, the National Football League, NFL, made significant changes to its guidelines, so now players are only required to drug test for cannabis just once at the beginning of training camp. 
quote, I'm trying to retire with Pittsburgh, uh, Bell said. Uh, but before I do that, I might be like, hey, let me get a couple carries in the pre- uh, preseason so I can show you all something. The NFL is easing up on cannabis policies like most other major sports leagues. Last year, the NFL took another step forward by awarding funds to two cannabis research initiatives focused on the effectiveness of cannabis as a treatment for pain management. Yeah, because all those kids out there are getting concussions and not good. The NFL is currently exploring cannabis-based medicine. Woohoo! for the treatment of pain, given that the alternative is usually opioids. <laughs> Little op- tummy ham. The NFL announced in a press release on February 1st, 2022, that it would be presenting a million dollars to two different researchers at <clears throat> the University of California, San Diego, and University of Regina, UR, which is located in Canada. Both research groups will be focusing on how Cannabinoids can aid in general pain management with a few other goal studies as well. The NFL-NFLPA Joint Pain Management Committee, PMC, called for research proposals in June 2021, asking for researchers to assist with PMC's knowledge about pain management and athletic performance. Quote, the committee received a total of 106 submissions, which was narrowed down to 10 finalists by the NFL Research and Innovation Committee. In the meantime, Players are likely smoking. It mirrors what has been said about other major leagues, such as the National Basketball Association, NBA. Jay Williams estimated that 80% of players smoke weed. Al Harrington guesses that number is a bit higher. (laughs) Well, there you have it, folks. Um, Yeah, I bet a lot of other players are high during their games because it does for some. It's well, it definitely relaxes you. It can get you really focused. It can give you the energy you need. And getting slammed out there by 100-mile-an-hour trains <laughs> cannot be fun. God, I don't even understand how they do it. I guess they just start out little getting slammed. Man, that's a lot of slamming on your body. Oh. Well, yep, and they're right. All these uh, sports. Uh, organizations, not all of them, but a lot of them are <clears throat> definitely um, getting on board with cannabis. All right, well, hoping you're still out there. You're listening to Weed Day Wednesday. If you are, 208 days until Christmas. Sorry, this program keeps cutting out. Um, I think we're still on air. Looks like we are. <laughs> Seems like we are. So get some coffee, grab a bong hit. And I'm going to read a little bit about how cannabis improves the quality of life and reduces, can we say narcotic use, opioid use among chronic pain patients. Chronic pain patients who use cannabis products for six months report improvements in their health-related quality of life and decreases in their daily opioid consumption, according to observational data published in the journal Expert Review of Neuro uh, Aero- Therapeutics. Neurotherapeutics. Aha. Uh-huh. British investigators assess the safety and efficacy of plant-derived cannabis products, either oils, flour, or a combination of both, in other set in over 700 chronic pain patients enrolled in the UK Medical Cannabis Registry. All of the participants possessed a doctor's authorization to access cannabis products, 
Since 2018, specialists have been permitted to prescribe cannabis-based medicinal products to patients unresponsive to conventional medications. Authors assess the efficacy of cannabis at one, three, and six months. Consistent with prior studies, investigators reported, quote, treatment with oil-based products, dried flour, or a combination of both CBMPs, cannabis-based medicinal products, are associated with statistically significant improvements in pain relief and sleep quality after six months in chronic pain patients. Additionally, patients prescribed oils or both types of CBMPs experience reduced anxiety and improvement in their ability to perform daily activities. Patients prescribed a combination of both CBMPs recorded improvements in their self-care mobility abilities Collectively, this evidence signals that the initiation of CBMP treatment is associated with improved HRQOL health quality of life. <laughs> okay. Researchers also acknowledge that patients significantly reduce their daily intake of prescription opioids, a finding that is consistent with dozens of other studies. Quote, in summary, These results suggest that both cannabis oils and dried flour are associated with long-term improved HRQOL in chronic pain patients, they concluded. Prior studies assessing the use of cannabis products in patients enrolled in the UK registry have similarly reported them to be safe and effective for patients suffering from anxiety, PTSD, um, stress, depression, migraine, inflammatory bowel disease, and other afflictions. Data published earlier this year in the journal, JAMA Network, OPEN, reported that nearly one in four patients who reside in states where medical cannabis access is legal self-identify as marijuana consumers. Wow, I didn't know we had to self-identify. Everybody needs to self-identify as something? Oh, I'm a over-mayonnaise-using, food-loving, weed-smoking human being. <laughs> oh, and salt. Oh, I have my own salt shakers wherever I go. If I don't, I have little ones, in the, little packets in the car. <laughs> and I love Taco Bell. There you have it. All right. Um, there you have it. Wow. It does improve quality of life and health and helps with chronic pain and all that good stuff. You just got to be open to it, which in the 12 years that we've opened Tumbleweeds Health Center and the Good Leaf. Oh, excuse me. I'm drinking coffee right now. The miracle stories, the things we've seen have just been absolutely amazing, especially with the animals. Um, I was at uh, Hotel Tombstone on Allen Street, and there was a lady and a guy that came in with their dogs, kind of like a one of those Sheltie, Sheltie, I don't know, no, Collie, bigger Collie. And she had lost her brother just not too, you know, a couple weeks prior and was just in a totally depressed state and anxious, just full of anxiety, didn't know what to do without him. Um, and they came in and I said, you know, I gave her some fresh water and some treats and love and I said, have you tried CBD? And they said, no. And I said, well, you know, I think we have something that just might help her. And so I gave her, I think it was the Charlotte's Web Calming Treats for dogs. And um, 
A couple weeks later, they came in and they said that made all the difference in the world. They they absolutely love it. They didn't have to use the whole packet, but what they did use, they said, just worked wonders. Um, it made her feel better and calmer and helped her get through, you know, she's still grieving, but it helped her in her grieving process because that's not hard, especially for animals, you know, especially when they die suddenly um, and, you know, you're not expecting it. Um, that's not an easy thing for anybody to go through. So, yeah, <clears throat> totally recommend the um, Charlotte's Web Calming Treats. They've got some really good, like, hip and joint, senior formula. Um, some have the, I think the hip and joint have the glucosin, chondroitin, turmeric, um, some good combinations of some anti-inflammatories in there for the doggy joints. Cause they're walking around on the cement all day long, you know. That's kind of be rough for their toes and beaks. All right, let's see what else is going on in the kitchen. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Here we go. The DEA may propose regulations that would threaten the hemp-derived cannabinoid industry and cast a dark cloud over the CBD industry. Well, why you got to do that? The federal agency announced in early May that it plans to soon propose new rules that would classify synthetically-derived cannabinoids as controlled substances and would decontrol CBD up to 0.1% THC on a weight-to-weight or weight-to-volume basis. Mm. The U- oh, May 26th. The U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, may propose new rules that would drastically change the hemp-derived cannabinoid and CBD markets. At the DEA Supply Chain Conference in early May, Terrence Booth, chief of the DEA's Drug and Chemical um, Evaluation Section, revealed in his presentation that the agency plans to release new rules that would clarify that any cannabinoids created by chemical synthesis from hemp, such as Delta-8 or 9-THC, are controlled substances under the Controlled Substances Act. Jane Pennington, counsel at cannabis law firm Vicente Sederberg, attended the DEA's conference in early May. He says, the presentation comes on the heels of implications caused by the Agricultural Act of 2018, the 2018 Farm Bill, which legalized hemp at the federal level. Obviously, quote, after the 2018 Farm Bill, the implication is that we're seeing the unintended consequences of what is perceived to be the descheduling of these intoxicating hemp substances, Pennington says. Since the passage of the 2018 Farm Bill, various, quote, intoxicating, quote, products, including compounds such as Delta-8 or hemp-derived Delta-9, have surfaced in the marketplace, resulting in lawmakers in several states implementing regulations that outlaw or regulate such products. While the DEA has previously stated that the natural constituents of of cannabis are uncontrolled, many of these products are being synthetically converted in a lab from CBD or Delta-9 THC, leaving the legal status of these products unclear. Some say it's federally legal under the 2018 Farm Bill, while others consider it a loophole. 
seriously, this whole program's a loophole. Bose <laughs> um, <clears throat> also noticed in his presentation that the federal agency had received recommendations from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, that up to 0.1% THC is safe and that based on his HHS's guidance, the DEA plans to modify regulations to control uh, to decontrol CBD up to 1.0% THC on a weight-to-weight or weight-to-volume basis, Pennington says. According to Pennington, Booz was uh, ref- referring to descheduling synthetically derived CBD as naturally sourced CBD is legal under the 2018 Farm Bill if it's sourced from a plant and that does not contain more than 0.3% Delta 9 THC. So although the scheduling recommendation isn't technically binding on DEA, DEA has never overridden an FDA, Food and Drug Administration, a sub-agency of HHS scheduling recommendation in the history of the agency. In practice, it is a very authoritative recommendation, Pennington says. He's saying we got a heads up that this is coming, and once it gets there, it just begins a process. Pennington says that once the HHS's recommendation arrives, the DEA will review it and develop its analysis before publishing proposed rule in the Federal Register. He said that this is a lengthy process. Quote, they'll attach FDA's analysis to the Federal Register posting, and then it starts several more steps of the process beginning with notice and comment. I think it's 60 days where anyone can weigh in on it and interested parties can ask for hearings, he says. If people ask for hearings, those hearings are held before an administrative law judge and the trial is involved. You can object, have witnesses, and put on evidence. The point of what I'm saying is this is an incredibly involved ordeal. It takes an average beginning to end of 9.2 years to complete this process. Despite the typically lengthy process, Pennington says, it's anticipated for this process to move notably faster, especially after President Joe Biden's announcement in October 22, where he said he would pardon thousands of people with previous federal cannabis possession charges, urge governors to do the same at the state level, and request that HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra and Attorney General Merrick Garland review cannabis Schedule One status. Quote, We are in a unique time when it comes to cannabis-related issues because the President of the United States took the historic step in October of being like, (coughs) excuse me, (laughs) I want to expeditiously reconsider marijuana's scheduling classification under federal law. And so the thinking is, what does expeditiously mean when you're talking about something that takes a decade usually to do? Who knows, Pennington says. While he does have confirmation on this, Pennington said, the idea is that they are moving quicker on cannabis scheduling in general. Quote, and it's no surprise that this other issue is coming up, in other words, because these intoxicating hemp products are part of the bigger cannabis umbrella they're focused on. Even though there are different issues, they overlap a great deal, he says. It makes sense that the agencies involved would be aware of what they're doing with marijuana looking at the intoxicating side, all of this is to say that it kind of makes sense why the timing would be what it is if they're trying to move fast. In this recommendation, if this recommendation takes effect and every state immediately enforces it, it could be 
quote, absolutely devastating and would ban nearly every Delta 8 product on the market, he says. And as the upcoming renewal of the Farm Bill approaches, there's also a potential for Congress to enact comprehensive regulations regarding all intoxicating cannabinoids. Wow. Well, you know, when we first started, we thought, we said 10 to 20 years, and now we're 12 years into it almost. So, yeah, that would be about right. Um, Another probably 10 years. All right, we're going to end, folks, another minute or two early. I don't want this to crash again. Thank you for listening to Weed Say Wednesday and hanging in there with us. We love reading the news with you. Don't forget, 208 days until Christmas. Woo-hoo! Don't forget to buy your deal or something for Christmas. Just kidding, not really. And um, remember, be smart, be safe, and educate, and we'll get cannabis kit on here one of these days. And don't forget to beat your best day at the June first day. I'm going to get you this time. I love you guys. Silver Sister, have a wonderful day. Don't forget your sunscreen. And put some hats on. Get outside. Do some yard work. Happy Wednesday, Wednesday, y'all. Woo-hoo! We'll see you next week. we got some more guests coming on. Woo-hoo! Wednesday, Wednesday. Woo-hoo! Another Banana Blaze bong hit coming up. Happy Wednesday, Wednesday, folks. Be good to each other out there. Smoke some weed.